seated. I invite you to turn in your pew Bibles to uh, New Testament book of Philippians. That's on 981 if you're using the small print pew Bibles. As you're turning there, just two quick words of thanks. Um, thanks to the Boani family for changing our banners um, each uh, season. And uh, I'd like to thank Will Hodges. We, we finally cut down the river birches. He finally cut down the river birches in front of the manse. And uh, thanks, Will. But hear the word of God, Philippians 3, verse 12, and be reading through verse 16 as we consider gospel progress, pressing on in the faith. But hear the word of God. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, or brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired and errant infallible word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we pray that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, open our eyes so that we might behold wondrous things in your law. Lord, we pray that we would not only be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in my hometown of Schenectady, New York, a General Electric reigned as a major employer. In 1970, when I was in high school, uh, they employed some 27,000 people, including my father, my aunt, many neighbors, also many in uh, my home church. This might surprise you, the GE company spokesperson at the time was Ronald Reagan. He would announce to the television viewers of the day, uh, GE's motto, slogan, progress is our most important product. You know, turn with me now to Philippians 3, verse 12, if you're not there already, while we don't see the word progress, uh, we hear the Apostle Paul repeat this powerful phrase, I press on, uh, there in verses 12 and 14. Well, what does it mean for Christians to make gospel progress? 
You know, why should every Christian press on in the faith? As we look at these verses, we will see that God graciously calls every Christian to faithfully press on to the finish. Well, how can Christians press on in faith? Uh, There's a declaration there in verse 12, a devotion in verses 13 and 14, and then discipline in verses 15 and 16. We begin with the the declaration of pressing on in faith. Apostle Paul writes, not that I have already obtained this. And so the question then is, what does this refer to? We we already know that it's vital that when you're studying scripture, you, you look at it in context. Go back to Philippians 3, verse 10 and 11. Those portion we looked at last Lord's Day, Philippians 3, verse 10, that I may know him, that is Christ, in the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain resurrection from the dead. And so here in verse 12, he is saying, not that I've already obtained this. I have not been resurrected from the dead yet. Or, here in verse 12, or am already perfect. It seems that in this church at Philippi, there were those uh, in what we would call the perfectionism group. You know, those who would say, I can... You know, if, if I keep my nose clean and, and faithfully read and obey uh, the word of God and, and shun any contact with sinners, I can be perfect. I can be sinless. And here, even the Apostle Paul says, no, not that I am already perfect. You know, the Lord is continuing to conform the Apostle Paul to the image of Christ. You know, we would call it sanctification. You know, our, our shorter catechism, I'll paraphrase it, Westminster Shorter Catechism 35. You know, sanctification is the work of God's free grace. Justification is an act, but, but sanctification is a work. God continues his work in our hearts. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man, the whole person after the image of God. And then to paraphrase, we're daily dying unto sin and we are daily living unto righteousness. We'll be perfect in glory, but we're not there yet. But again, still in verse 3, that, that next phrase, but I press on to make it my own. You know, again, the question, what does it refer to? I believe it's everything there in verses 10 and, 10 and 11. The power of Christ's resurrection, sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death so that I might attain the resurrection of the dead. No, it's, it's significant. Sinclair Ferguson reminds us it's significant that Paul confesses that he was not yet perfect. It's a good thing, you know, for us as Christians to tell ourselves or to have 
Beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, speak the truth in love. Hey, you're not perfect. That ought not to surprise any of us, or you can tell it to me as well. You know, Paul knows he's still on the pilgrim path. You know, but then the climax of the verse. But I press on to make it my own, and then here's the climax, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. You know, when did Christ make Paul his own? You know, we could truly say in eternity past, Ephesians 1.4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And it goes on from there, great chapter. You know, in eternity past, but, you know, to... Take it another step, you know, remember our gracious God also also stopped Saul before he was Paul, Saul dead in his tracks on the road to Damascus. Even as scripture tells us he was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, Acts chapter 9 verse 1. You know, Saul saw the blinding light from heaven. He heard the voice of Jesus of Nazareth speak to him. Later on, he regained his sight, was filled with the Holy Spirit, was baptized, bore witness to Christ. You know, the, the Apostle Paul could say, say with joy and contentment, you know, Christ Jesus has made me his own. Might we all be able to say that? You know, it's important to note the scriptural order here. Paul presses on because Christ Jesus has made me his own. You know, we can press forward in faith, you know, because we are Christ's children, loved in Christ, bought with his shed blood on, on the cross. You know, we're his children. Adopted, graciously adopted into his family. You know, Paul declares his gospel purpose to press on in the faith. You know, to faithfully follow Christ spiritually. Remember, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians in prison in Rome. You know, he's not going anywhere for a while. And yet he could say, I'm pressing on. In Christ. Pressing on in pain. Pressing on until the day of his death or Christ's return. You know, there's an old gospel hymn. You know, I was raised in a family in the church. Then uh, evening service, they would sing a lot of the old hymns. And uh, the title of the hymn was um, Higher Ground written by Johnson Oatman back in 1892. It was frequently sung at camp meetings. And just hear the first verse. I believe it's based on Philippians chapter 3, 12. 
I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. And then the chorus. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. You know, Philippians 3, verse 12, you know, it's not only the Apostle Paul's declaration that, that he is pressing on, but it ought to be your declaration, my declaration. You know, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. There, there's the power, there's the motivation, you know, for, for us to keep pressing on each day. Monday mornings, uh, whatever it might be, in, in grief and in sorrow and pain, you know, may you and I press on to be found in Christ, press on to know Christ. Why? Because Christ has made me his own. You know, there's the gospel right there, just in that phrase. Christ has made me his own. You know, I'm a sinner saved by grace through faith in Christ. He has set his love upon me, brought me to saving faith, secure Assured of my salvation, a declaration of pressing on in uh, in faith. But you know, note next uh, in verses thirteen and fourteen, there there is now a devotion to pressing on in faith. You know, Paul begins this section, brothers, and when you read that, you can all you can always say brothers and sisters. You know, it's a phrase he, he used there at the beginning of chapter 3. Finally, my brothers, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. You'll see it in chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved you know, as Paul writes this letter, you know, it, it's not just meant to be a, a theological tome. You know, it's not just meant to, um, to fill their minds, teach them all about the gracious love of God in Christ. You know, there, there is that gospel truth that he is teaching him, but that gospel truth should transform our lives day by day. Now the Apostle Paul, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. You know, there's a humbling statement. You know, we we tend to hold the Apostle Paul up here on a pedestal. Uh, You know, and here he is very humbly, frankly, honestly telling his brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm not there yet in my walk of faith. And then I love this phrase, verse 13, but one thing I do, but one thing I do. You know, here Paul proclaims his unflagging devotion to Christ and to pressing on in faith after Christ. 
You know, and even though he says one thing I do, he, he breaks it down here, as we'll see, into uh, four marks of gospel devotion. And where does it begin? Forgetting what lies behind. You know, we as Christians are called to be a forgetful people. That gets easier for me with each passing day. Um. What are we to daily forget? You know, we're to forget our past sins before Jesus Christ made us his own. Past bitterness, past hurts, emotional scars inflicted by others. Now that we are in Christ, it's said we should no longer be influenced by or affected by hardened sinners on holy foes or on loving and faithless friends and acquaintances. You know, don't look back with sinful yearning. You know, all for the good old days. You know, there, there's a phrase that Jesus uses in Luke 17.32, and, and, and Jesus simply says, Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. And if you know a little bit about your Bible or if you've forgotten, that's a reference back to Genesis chapter 19, verse 26. I won't read, the, I'm just going to read a verse, but to put it in context, God, has, God is in the process of destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. Not, not just because of their sinfulness, but their unrepentant sinfulness. And so God very graciously delivered Lot and his wife and his two daughters. And uh, he has already sent his destruction. And we read this in uh, Genesis 19, verse 26. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. You know, don't look back. You know, if God has delivered you from the sinful city of Sodom or wherever, don't look back. Flee. Forget. Follow Christ. You know, so the first mark there of of one thing, first mark of, of gospel devotion, forgetting what lies behind. But secondly, there in Philippians chapter 3, still verse 13, straining forward to what lies ahead. Straining forward. He doesn't state it plainly, but it's a picture of a runner. Probably a short distance runner. You know, you're getting close to the finish line, and so you're you're stretching your upper body so you can be the, the, the one who wins the race. That runner is focused, undistracted, there's effort and energy straining forward. You know, it's present tense, meaning you keep on straining forward. It's not not just a flash in the pan. You know, I, I strain forward today, it's Sunday, I'll forget about it on Monday. No, we're we're always straining forward in our in our journey of faith with Christ. You know, because what's at the finish? 
You know, we'll be with Christ, you know, forever. And third, he says, I press on towards the goal. Verse 14, you know, same, same word as in verse 12. Again, present tense. He, he keeps on pressing towards the goal. You know, the word goal, that which a, a runner focuses on, the finish line. I'm not sure in those days whether they had a, a tape or a ribbon, you know, across the finish line. You know, the word goal can also be used of, of a bullseye on a target. You know, there, there's a goal in, in mind, a gospel goal. You know, there's a gospel gladness in running the race. You know, if you've ever seen the, the movie Chariots of Fire, not many movies I recommend, but that's uh, one I would. True story of Eric Little, um, who won a strong Christian convictions, you know, won the Olympic gold medal. And uh, this is a quote, true quote from uh, the movie, and more importantly from his life. And here's a quote he tells his sister. You know, God has made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. You know, God has made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Now, I think that's true in, in, in sports that are dedicated, honoring to the Lord, but, but it's even more true in our, in our Christian life. You know, when, when we run, when we press on towards the goal, you know, for the glory of God, we, we should feel his pleasure. We should see his smile uh, upon us. You know, not, not drudgery. Okay, I'll do it, but I'm not going to like it. No, we're, we're pressing on towards that goal. We're, we're following the Lord with eagerness, energy, faith, and focus, and gospel passion. And, and that's not to be the exception. Well, that's for missionaries, Bible teachers, preachers, whoever it might be. No, that, that's the call for all of us in, in our walk of faith with Christ. You know, next for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we have a goal, now we have a prize. Now what's a prize? It's a reward given by the umpires to the winners of the athletic events. That's what Stuart Briscoe uh, writes about it. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson speaks of the prize this way, the full and on clouded knowledge of Christ and fellowship with him. You know, that, that's our prize. The full and on clouded knowledge of Christ and fellowship with him. You know, scripture mentions here the upward call of God in Christ. You know, th this gracious call comes from heaven, from God himself. But we can also say this upward call is a call of God that calls us to faithfully follow our Lord Jesus Christ until we reach the finish line here and are called home to glory. You know, it's a call, come on home. 
Now, either way, it's win-win, that, that upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You remember that the Lord graciously calls us to saving faith in Christ. Look at Romans 8, you know, that, that golden chain of salvation. He graciously calls us to follow Christ. We read this, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, 2 Timothy 1, 9 who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. You know, and one day God will graciously call us home to glory. And and we will be glad to go. You know, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 puts it this way. 1 Peter 5, verse 10. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. But one thing I do, I asked Lynn if it was okay if I shared this story. Hopefully she'll still be smiling. There's a backstory to it, and maybe we'll tell you later. After our wedding ceremony, you know, it would be 45 years ago this August, I foolishly failed to remember the one thing that Lynn asked me to do. And she put it that way. I gave you one thing to do, and I didn't do it. I was supposed to line up the rides to the reception for the wedding party and families, and I was a youth director at the time, and I just thought, hey, everybody will find their way there. They'll get there. And I did not do the one thing that she gave me to do. And then to compound the matter, um, After having a discussion about it, we headed to the car, my car that we were going to be riding in, and uh, my uncle and his friend decided to pull a wedding prank on the car we were supposed to ride in, so we had to get out the jack, and long story here, so that did not help the situation at all, but I praise God for preserving us. That was a, uh, a little preview of what was to come. You know, one thing to do. You know, that, that's what God says, one, one thing to do. You know, and I believe that's pressing on towards the goal. You know, don't quit. Don't grow tired. Don't throw up your, your hands in despair. I believe that too often we as Christians complicate our walk of faith with Christ. You know, if, if someone were to ask me or you, you know, what's the one thing you should do? So, so often we think it's a, a rule, and usually it's an unbiblical rule. Or sometimes it's a, a self-centered demand. You know, one thing to do, that, that's to press on. You know, for the glory of God. 
And finally, there, verses 15 and 16, there is the discipline of pressing on in faith. So we've seen a, a declaration of pressing on in faith there, verse 12, verse 13 and 14, the devotion to pressing on in faith. And finally, this, this discipline of pressing on in faith. You know, make sure that you all notice, look at your Bibles, uh, the change in pronouns. You know, 12, 13, and 14, it's I do this. I press on. And now it ought to grab our our attention now in verse 15 and 16. Let those of us. You know, Paul is not just speaking about himself now. He is speaking to all of the church there at Philippi. All who name and claim the name of Christ. Let us, New American Standard puts verse 15 this way. I believe it's helpful. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. You know, let those of us who are mature, some translations translate that same word, Perfect. Let those of us who are perfect, and yet Paul has already said, not that I am already perfect. I believe mature is, is a more helpful translation here. You know, those who are spiritually mature. You know, this, this may be a teenager who's spiritually mature. You don't have to be 80 to be spiritually mature. You know, but let those of us who are mature, you know, there, there's a growth in grace and knowledge and love for Christ. Those who have learned God's gospel truths, live by God's word, and, and love the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, hear this, Ephesians 4, I believe it's a helpful cross-reference. Ephesians, as you know, also written by uh, Paul, Ephesians 4, verse 11. I'm going to read three verses here. Four verses. And he, he, he it's Ephesians four eleven. and he, that is Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature, that's the word, to mature manhood, womanhood, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, so that we will no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, excuse me, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Matthew Henry Always the the plain uh, commentator puts it down low. Writes, let us be like-minded and set our hearts upon Christ in heaven as he, Paul, did. You know, that good definition of mature. You know, we're setting our, our hearts upon heaven. You know, let those of us who are mature think this way. 
Then, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Paul is reminding them that God's word guides us all. It's not a new revelation or a special revelation here. You know, it's the the revelation of, of God's holy, divinely inspired word. You know, God will reveal that. God will show you the scripture, that the right scripture that you need at just the right time, you know, to convict you of sin, to call you to a closer walk of faith with Christ, to comfort you in times of struggle. God's word guides us all. Excuse me. You know, I know our women have been studying Exodus, great, one of the great books of the Bible. I think there's 66 of them. But, um, you know, in Exodus, you know, consider how God's pillar of cloud and fire revealed God in the wilderness. You know, at, at night they knew God was with them. The fire kept them warm in, in the cold wilderness. You know, pillar of cloud during the day, you know, would stay with them. And then when the, the pillar of cloud and fire moved, they were to be moved. And how often we say they were wandering in the wilderness. No, that really, they weren't wandering. You know, God was taking them the long way through the wilderness, you know, to refine them, to strengthen their faith each step of the way. Exodus 40, verses 36 through 38 puts it this way, thinking about the pillar of cloud of fire, or the pillar of cloud and fire, Exodus 40, almost at the end of Exodus. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out, but if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. You know, that that was a word of comfort, you know, for for God's people. You know, and then again, you know, that same comfort, you know, God will reveal that to you also. And then the last phrase here. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. You know, the the Lord has graciously revealed the truth of his word. He has gripped you, saved you by his grace. So keep holding on. Persevere in your walk of faith. May your Christian conduct be consistent with the gospel. Keep walking orderly with spiritual discipline by the standard of God's unchanging and unfailing word that always points us to Christ. Close with this illustration. Our family has moved many times over the years. Lynn and I have moved eight times. Our children moved four times with us. You know, when our children were young and uh, we were in our own home, you know, as in many of your homes, we had a door frame, you know, where you 
you drew the pencil line, you, you had them stand straight against the door, you, you drew the pencil line, you know, at the top of their head, you know, you wrote down the date, name of the child, uh, so that you could see, mark their growth. You know, children being children, at least with our children, they sometimes desire to mark their heights every day. They come back the next day, oh, have I grown any? And you you wouldn't put the mark down, but I guess it's okay for parents to say, oh, yes, you have grown. Grown spiritually. You know, and sometimes we as Christians forget, you know, forget our, our growth. You know, it's a day-by-day thing, month-by-month, year-by-year. You know, and here the Lord graciously rejoices, I believe, in our growth and grace. Just as parents rejoice when their children are growing physically, spiritually, maturing, how much more does God, our Heavenly Father, rejoice, you know, as as we are growing, as we are pressing on day by day, making gospel progress by his grace and for his glory. You know, brothers and sisters, you know, let us press on in faith. You know, let us press on in faith until Christ comes again or until he calls us upward to glory, to be with him. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we, we thank you. We thank you for the truth of your word, the unchanging truth, Lord, that we have been studying here in Philippians. And, and Lord, pray that you would give us your strength, your encouragement in Christ so that we would keep running that race that you have set before us, that we would not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season you have promised us we shall reap if we faint not, Lord. May we press on in our own walk of faith, feeding upon your words, seeking your face in prayer. May We as your church press on in faith, pray that parents would be encouraging their children to press on in faith. We pray for our our youth, our young people, Lord, that they would be pressing on in their faith and walk with Christ. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.